And that's why leading into this next note, it's why automation is so important because as we know, I don't think people, I don't know, you can disagree with me, but I don't think people from a behavioral standpoint can manage their money well because people always want to spend what they have. So I think that's why it's important to automate the investment process as much as possible via, one example would be via 401k. Hello and welcome back to Unwrapping Success. Uh, today we have an exciting episode, how to budget your money. Um, I like talking about this stuff. I like talking about credit cards. I like talking about finance. I dive all the way into the YouTube rabbit hole all the time. Uh, some people don't love this, but everybody has to deal with it. Right. You can't make it through life without budgeting. Maybe you can get really lucky and win the lottery, but then are you arguably you're in even more need to budget then and when you win the lottery you also have to pay like 33 percent of your money to for taxes oh that's the best part yeah who doesn't love paying taxes honestly i wouldn't even complain if i won the lottery and had to pay 33 percent in taxes i'd be scared of the people I... like trying to steal my money if i won the lottery do you actually like ever know who wins the lottery though I thought they publicize it. I think they do a lot, but a lot of the time it's like a woman from so-and-so county. It, I don't know. I don't really check the lottery. Odds of winning the lottery is zero. I was watching a uh, YouTube video a few days ago about uh, a lottery system in michigan that was broken and michigan realized it was broken like this couple was taking advantage of it it was you needed to get it you want a certain amount if you got one number correct and a certain amount if you got two numbers correct three four five and then you won like the jackpot if you got all six mm -hmm. uh but ultimately they set up this it was like a popular game um but they set it up wrong so that if you bought like 10,000 tickets or 100,000 tickets, you were guaranteed to win. And this couple realized it and they kept buying tickets and Massachusetts realized how popular that's your state. Yep. They realized how popular this uh, Michigan lottery was after Michigan had already shut it down because Michigan realized it was broken and Massachusetts was like, it's fine. We'll just do it. And then for like a decade this same couple moved from michigan to massachusetts and they were taking advantage of the lottery there it was broken i gotta figure out how to play broken lotteries it's probably just like the odds of winning it are so high that like after you play a thousand games like your guarantee your expected value is like one win yeah it was it was actually pretty good though it was like expected value it was something like 106 dollars for every hundred that you play that's pretty good that it's like a pretty bad lottery system. Uh, yeah, but it was also like a multiplier. Like it all had to line up. I forget. It was, uh, I believe, Wendover Productions. You've ever heard of him? I have not. Good channel. Uh, we actually watched one of his videos in Econ once. I think you were 
in the same class with me when we did. Which on, which econ class? I think just uh, intro micro. It was on airplanes and and the. It was definitely with uh, Doctor Matt. Doctor Matt, throw shout out to Matt if he still watches us. <laughs> Hope he does. Uh, yeah, but it was on like the uh, piloting industry. I might, yeah, before I might, the pandemic. Yeah, isn't that crazy, Tim? That was four years ago. Go, not not quite four years, almost no, four years. I was thinking about that the other day. College is not a four year experience. It's a three year and eight month experience. Yeah. We we were lied to. We were. I want my money back. <laughs> At least a twelfth of it. I mean, it's literally a twelfth. Four months. Yeah. And can we, okay, I want. Can we talk about something? And it like relates to this. Maybe like before we started like getting concerned with budgeting, but like when you were at school, like what did you do to budget your money? Did you have a set like amount you would uh, like set aside to spend every week? Because that's what that's what I did. Because uh, I would normally, um, back in the day, like weekends, mostly freshman year, I would like go out to the mall on week uh, on weekends, and that would usually entail movie restaurant or maybe just like shopping which meant on average i was spending probably like i don't know anywhere between like 20 and 40 dollars a week so like pretty small mm -hmm. um so before before the pandemic and the broken unemployment system yep because I'm, those are two different phases of my life. You know, at first I, I was a poor, broke college student, and then I was, you know, a, a he's a billionaire. A very, <laughs> fortunately, a very rich college. Joe student, Bunyan, <laughs> as far as uh, college students go. Um, but yeah, I didn't really budget week by week, but I would budget, you know, semester by semester. And I just had relatively firm rules. Like, I think one of people's biggest issues with uh, budgeting is, uh, like, motivation to keep your savings as savings and not just to dip into it because, you know what, I want to. Are we, are you saying savings account? I'm saying, so for most people, it's a savings. For me, uh, I've... I've never managed my own savings account. Like, uh, my parents had savings accounts for me growing up, but I've never managed my own. Um, I've stuck with, uh, with stock trading accounts instead of savings, which some people would agree with, other people would disagree with. Uh, I think even with the safe S&P 500 investment, you have a higher return than you're going to get with a savings account. But for me, it's, I can't sell my stocks. Like, once I buy them, it would be wrong to sell them. Then I'd have to pay taxes, and that's where I get a lot of my motivation. So, uh, I've once money goes into the stock market, it very rarely comes back out, mm -hmm. and that's really how I budgeted throughout my first three years of college. I would put the money I planned on saving in the stock market, and I would keep the money I planned to spend in my checking account. 
And usually I would think on like a semester basis when I was home for the winter or home for the summer, I would be working, saving up as much as possible. Um, in both my checking and in the stock market, you know, buying up whatever it was, you know, a lot of the time, Apple, Tesla. Uh, but then in school, that's how I thought about it. I had two different funds. I never really thought week to week. Uh, I have tried month to month, but I found I'm not very good at forecasting what I'm actually going to do. So I, I, I think where you and me differ is in, in terms of cash flows during school. I'm pretty unique in the fact that I made passive income ever since sophomore year of college, which mm -hmm. hardly I don't know many people that can actually do that um, in, in college. So so you were on YouTube. Well, yeah, yeah you from YouTube specifically and Amazon affiliate uh, marketing. I got paid in gift cards and I still do to this day. It's like one of the best things ever. Oh, by the way, check out our uh, kit link down below with all our podcasting gear. If anyone's interested in starting a podcast. Um, so yeah, you worked correct over breaks to yeah. save up money. Uh, freshman year, I bust tables and then I moved up in the world. Sophomore and junior year, I was a waiter. Okay. And did you find that was enough savings did you earn enough revenue to like last the whole semester? Yeah, so freshman year it was uh freshman year it was a bit rougher busing. But I will say, you know, I worked at a, a relatively, I guess you would say fancy restaurant and I would encourage anybody to go the restaurant route rather than like uh grocery store. Yeah, I'm so bad at words. Cashier. cashier rather yeah. than rather than the cashier route just because I think you make so much more in tips. Yeah, you I know, didn't get all, any tips. The company I worked for didn't allow it. <laughs> all through high school, I was, you know, rich by high school standards. Uh -huh. I'm talking about me personally, like not my family. Uh, but then in college, I wasn't necessarily rich busing. But then even by the time I started waiting, you know, I, I felt never constrained by income versus I know many other people who did seem constraint right and let me I, let me just clarify for the audience when when we use the terms rich in college that's relatively rich as in um like you go out and you spend money and you're not like having a heart attack that you just like lost everything and this is also not directly addressing loans or anything like that like throughout this whole time I'm, and, and i believe you were also taking on loans to pay for college it but it was we can go out on a Friday night and do whatever we want with our friends for the most part without stressing. Or if we want to travel somewhere with our friends, it it's not very stressful mm -hmm. financially. That's why I think I said this on on, on my interview. Uh, on yeah, we did that college music podcast. I think I said like, yeah, you should start a YouTube channel while you're while you're in college because if you can start earning that passive income, it takes all the stress away from or takes the stress off thinking about finances if you ever want to like go out and do something with friends mm -hmm. and then as far as a more so like post-college i feel like you're more uh i'm more established set up. yeah yeah so uh, than, than i am yeah so uh, tim kind of like taught me this stuff like i didn't i didn't know anything about finance until like i spoke to tim really <laughs> 
Or I didn't have the passion to get into. And then you applied into... the lessons. I I just talked. Yes. Yeah. Um. I guess he got me into it. Like it was like the way he was speaking about it. He's like, "Oh, you can make money in the stock market." I was like, "Oh, sick." <laughs> no, it. Uh, the other thing that if so, I haven't done it, and I'm an idiot, honestly. Uh. Whether you have a Robin Hood or I think through Weeble you can do it, let alone an established broker like Fidelity, Charles Schwab. If you set up a Roth IRA, uh, it is totally how you should be investing your money. Up to $6,000 a year, you can invest completely tax-free. Uh, then you can withdraw that money also completely tax-free. Mm-hmm. Um, that is totally like however you have your stock trading or stock investing account set up you should definitely be looking into a Roth IRA especially uh in your 20s and typically it's pretty easy to find on your broker's website i think i have one uh for acorns for work i don't know about i don't think no no i don't have one for work i just have a 401k for work but but yeah i think acorns does iras I'm pretty sure Warren Buffett's account is an IRA. I'm pretty sure his billion dollar account. But it is nice that like I can save tax money by putting my paycheck into a 401k. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know, like that money is subtracted out of like your total like net income. And therefore, like when they send out taxes to the government, it's it's you're starting from a less lump sum so your your gross income is less you're yeah. taxed at a lower rate right but yeah okay can i write i don't know did you have anything else you wanted to add to that uh no i was just gonna say i i i keep seeing people talk about like budgeting apps and there's a gazillion of them but I I remember I, I don't know if it was a YouTuber that recommended me or I saw this in an ad on TikTok. It could have been either either or, but it was it was the app called Mint, and it's a great way of tracking everything like anything under the sun in terms of finances. And Mint is by Intuit, who are the same yep. people behind QuickBooks and TurboTax. Yep. So very reliable and trustworthy right and everything's like in real time granted when you when you open the app usually it'll take like a couple seconds because it has to download all your recent information like recent transactions you you had if you went out and bought something if you took out a loan if you just got your paycheck from your from your company it, it tracks all that stuff so it track it's basically like a giant uh accounting equation it tracks all your like assets, liabilities, and like stockholders' equity. I guess not really stockholders' equity. I mean, I guess like under common stock, but that's not fine. Never mind. It tracks it yeah. tracks your portfolio. That would just be like your net worth. Yeah. But but yeah, it, it's it it can track. You can add whatever cards you want on it. You and this is not a sponsored video. Although Mint, if you do want to sponsor a a podcast, I'm I'm fine with that. Um. So yeah, it can you can add whatever card you want, debit, credit card. It can track all your credit card purchases and when you have like a big payment coming up. The only thing I haven't figured out how to do with my Mint yet, um, and I don't know if you have, I haven't been able to connect my student debt 
So my net worth is uh, currently positive, which is not true. Uh, which is good to look at, but I haven't figured out how to connect that. I don't know if you figured that out. No, or I don't if you know. you have your, your student loans connected. That's my only major financial... I'm sure there's a way, because Mint can connect to literally everything. But It's kind of creepy. Did I realize... Was it them, or there was another app... I'll check. Uh, there was another app I wanted to recommend. If people are into the credit card game, you bringing up Mint made me think of it. Uh, it's called Max Rewards. Uh, for anybody like me who has multiple credit cards and likes getting the most out of them, always maximizing your points, uh, Max Rewards tells you the best credit card to use at every location. So say I was at a gas station. You, well, what would you punch into the app? So it has a dashboard. So like you can put, there's literally, there's like over 500 options you can put there. But like defaults are like grocery store, restaurant, pharmacy, gas stations, uh, travel. Those are all there. And it's like cards. So you've connected all of your cards. So like I've got six different credit accounts that connect all of those. And then it shows for each of those categories which card is the best card. Okay. And it keeps up with, like, the rotating categories. And the other thing, if anybody has a rotating categories card, you don't have to remember to opt into the rotating category. It automatically does that for you. So, like, discover cashback card? Yep, with its rotating 5%. It automatically opts into that. And... I believe it also does like the the temporary like Chase does temporary offers and it does automatically apply those also. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's uh, I mean that that would fall under the category of savings. That's one tip if people were looking to maximize savings. A penny saved is a penny earned. Yeah, that that actually just reminded me like the the book I'm reading right now is how to get rich. And I remember, like, the dude's, like, he's some Indian guy, and I think all he does is, um, his main thing that he learned from his father was how to save, like, every penny possible. Like, to the point where he would, like, he like, anywhere he would go to shop, he would ask for discounts. Or, like, he'd try to negotiate, like, anything he was purchasing. Or he would always contact his credit card company and be like, Hey, can I have a credit, um, credit increase? And, and he has in the book, he's like, if they say no, you say this. <laughs> it's like kind of, it's kind of like, like those coupon people. Yeah. At the I was grocery just store. Say, do you remember that old show that used yeah. to be on extreme couponers? Yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing. I don't like it to be honest. I think that's just a waste of your time. Yes. I know it adds up over time and you could be like oh i could have saved a total of hundred dollars in the past month if i just like begged people for discounts it, it approaches the point though what's your time worth yeah oh 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 yeah and he said in that car that his father was this this reminded me because i just bought a car he he agreed he was about to sign the contract to purchase the car and he's like can you throw in a free oil change or something like that? 
and the dealer was like sorry sir that's like not included in 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 the price and he goes okay i'm not buying the car then and he walks out like <laughs> no oil change so i'm not buying the car like it was something that small that he just turned down the whole car you ever heard with a car i want to say it's 4% of your uh net worth you should never pay more than 4% yeah. of your net worth yeah, I've we talked that. about that before. I disagree with that for really cheap cars. Like my experience with a $4,000 car, the minimum you should spend for a car, I believe is 8 or 10 grand. Right. Unless, you know, you need one rust bucket to the next, like you're buying like $1,000 cars, like that is a workable strategy also. Also uh, it depends how good of a driver you are if you're going to crash every car. Well, a thousand dollar cars aren't gonna it, you. It's they don't die because you crash them. They die because. They die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe I'm not you buy. About, maybe not, I've never bought a car planning on like a crash. It's just like my experience with a four thousand dollar car costs two thousand dollars a year to keep on the road. Right. And to me, it would have been far more worth it. Like right now, driving my car that i don't know if i should say how much exactly i bought it for but you can give a range of, yeah i guess a, a between 10 and 20 car i'll say that yeah. between 10 and 20 it's costing less than 2000 uh probably about 1200 a year to keep on the road and that's including my loan so it this car is pr is probably going to cost me less over the lifetime of the car than my four thousand dollar car. You know, I got a um a letter in the mail that said I got denied from my uh, car financing. But you you didn't. But I did it. <laughs> I have the car. <laughs> I was there with the finance guy, and I signed the contract for the loan. <laughs> yeah, it was like, dear Scott. We're sadly to inform you, you we were, we did not approve your Honda, Honda loan. <laughs> was it uh, your loan agency? I think it was a scam. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a scam and they're trying to fish for information. It's kind of scary. How do they have the info on me? I mean, I, uh, I get emails from like carinsurance23 at gmail.com. <laughs> I keep getting Geico and uh, progressive emails. All of the actual emails have stopped, but the uh, car insurance 23 at Gmail or uh, cars are us at Yahoo. They really want you to buy their insurance. It's obnoxious. But um, another handy budgeting Cool. So like this is kind of so when I first started budgeting in around freshman year of college and like consciously thinking about budgeting and I would write all this out in Excel. Uh, this is kind of the route that I took. You wrote here the 50, 30, 20 rule. So uh, for this, it was 50 percent of your income goes toward needs. So I'm guessing that's like housing, food uh internet bill cable's not a need don't do it yeah um i agree strong opinion uh but like those kinds of things clothes that needs, clothes uh although for a lot of people that's a want 
I guess if you don't own clothes. No, but, <laughs> but like, you know, a lot of people buying clothes that are far yeah. above like, like a need. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, so 50% for those needs, 30% for wants, and then 20% for savings and debt repayment. Um, You know, so far, the life that I've lived, I've made it through college so far. I've found that 50-50 has worked for me. I don't really have many needs that I have to pay for. Like, I've never had a rent bill. Or a Aren't we in a great spot right now? Oh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> uh, so 50% into savings and 50% for wants. Uh, I don't know. It It's definitely, I think it's a good framework for most people. Yeah, it's easy. I mean, the whole purpose of this is like it's easy for even the least educated financial people like easily can follow this this rule. Have you heard of the fire community? I know I brought it up before. I thought you were about to say like, have you heard of the uh, the Fire Nation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the Fire Nation. Everything changed after the Fire Nation attack. Quick, I know this is a complete tangent. Have you actually seen Last Airbender? The the movie? Yeah, the movie live action. Yeah, it was awful. Okay, I, I saw it when I went to Zach's, and I was like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you had never seen it before? No, I never saw it. You did watch the cartoon, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. honestly the worst mo- one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. They changed his name? They, He's Ong? Yeah, it's Ong now. It's not even Aang. And Soka? <laughs> no, no, isn't it Sokka? No, it's Sokka in the TV show in the cartoon, but it's, it's Sokka in the movie. Sokka on D's. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, and then and then the bending. Oh, oh, they need like they need like five guys to throw like one tiny rock, and they need five kicks before any rocks move. <laughs> If you are budgeting, don't spend your money on this movie. I uh, <laughs> so like it tied it back in. Last thing I want to say, I, I did actually watch a, a so another one of my like YouTube rabbit holes is like film critics. Yep. And like one guy was like complaining about that movie, and I had never realized it. It's literally so in the movie, the firebenders can't make fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. They can only like use existing fire to bend with. And I remember, because I was really excited for this movie like a decade ago when it came out, and I remember M. Night Shyamalan explaining how, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, all the other benders, like, they need their element, but, like, firebenders can make it. And I was like, yeah, M. Night Shyamalan, that actually makes sense. Uh, but it's literally the first episode of the show. <laughs> Uncle Iroh explains that why, like, firebenders are able to make fire. No. <laughs> it's wow. in the first episode. Um, like it comes from like their spiritual energy or whatever. Comment down below if you like Avatar, The Last Airbender. <laughs> Phenomenal movie. The show's all right. The movie's way better. Yeah, Scott's got it spot on. <laughs> no, but uh, the fire community. It's uh, financial independence, retire early. I've not heard of that. You always hit me with these new terms. Uh. I am fire adjacent. Okay, uh, but so you're going next to them? Yeah, because I really like the philosophy, but I don't think I'm actually going to live it out. 
basically what what their philosophy is is who wants to retire at 60 at 60 your joints ache you're like tired all the time maybe not 60 maybe maybe 70, 70. Maybe more so that's true but who wants to wait that long to retire why not retire at 30 and like live a live your life right. for real at 30 so they save like upwards of 50 hopefully 80 percent of their money that they take in as income and essentially if you are to invest it all in the stock market s&p 500 which is a major index of of the 500 largest trading stocks in the country is it not exactly 500 it's not exactly 500 and they're not exactly the 500 largest publicly traded but it's roughly 500 <laughs> of roughly the largest 500 yep um but that index it's been around since like the late 1800s and over that entire time period very consistently it's returned seven percent annually especially if you average out over a decade uh so now they plan on withdrawing from their savings, which is all invested in the S&P 500 through either Spider ticker SPY or Vanguard ticker VOO. Um, they plan to withdraw 4% of their investment every year for, into infinity from this account that's gaining 7%. Mm -hmm. By that logic you need to save 25 times your expected annual income. So like, let's say you wanted to live on 50,000 a year for the rest of time. You would have to save 50,000 times 25. That way you could withdraw 4% annually and it would keep growing in the 7%, uh, in the 7% like stock portfolio or the 7% rate that the stock portfolio is growing at. So with 50,000, if you wanted an income of 50,000, that would be multiplied times 25, you would need to save 1.25 million. Which... That's pretty reasonable. Isn't crazy. I mean, by 35, if you are able to save 50% of your income, that's not crazy. Most people can't save 50%, though. That's why, like, they try in their 20s to live as much financial, financially minimalist as possible. That way they can be, like, you know, extravagant in their 30s, 40s, 50s. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can live that minimalist in my 20s, because I do also want to enjoy my 20s. But I do like the idea of having complete financial independence by 35. Yeah, I mean... You know, even if even if you only have a couple hundred that, you know, it it's crazy even to think about. It. If you have a couple hundred thousand saved away, most people don't have that in their thirties. But it's no. not impossible to get there. It's not even that hard. And that's why leading into this next note, it's why automation is so important because, as we know. I don't think people, I don't know, you can disagree with me, but I don't think people from a behavioral standpoint can manage their money well because people always want to spend what they have. So 
I think that's why it's important to automate the investment process as much as possible via one example would be via 401k every paycheck. And I, I think as we know from loss aversion, people like small losses. So that's why they have like a small part of their paycheck go into their 401k every time doesn't like hit them as much. And then, yeah, so, so our audience is, is mostly 20 year olds, right? Or that's who yeah, we're targeting. Assuming. So it used to be different. You used to be able to make money in a savings account, but interest rates have been so low for so long and they will continue to stay low. Nobody at the Fed sees them going up anytime soon. And then even when they do go up in the mid 2020s, they're not going up far. Um, so really the only gains to see anywhere are in stocks crypto and, real estate and crypto i'd say i'd say real estate is i can see real estate a really good investment if you rent it out and you actually produce cash flows from it so real estate's complicated i mean i don't even want to get so, into it like i i want to but at the same time like i don't know how to buy a property what i was going to say is in your 20s you should be essentially all in on stocks and now we've got these new crypto assets that i don't want to encourage anybody to buy that uh the majority of my portfolio turned into crypto because it grew so fast um but other than like saying that like you know i have faith in crypto and and i'm certainly not going to discourage anybody from buying crypto but you know, stock slash crypto, that should be the majority of your 20s. And then in your 30s, begin to branch a bit into bonds. Or perhaps not, if interest rates don't turn around. Mm -hmm. uh, and slowly, as you're branching into bonds, that's when you also branch into real estate. If you're interested. But real estate's a lot of maintenance. Yeah. I don't know, because... how, to I don't know how to maintain a house. I don't know how to get, like, a landlord and, like... um. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I'm not going to sound... I'm not going to pretend like I do. So the word equity means ownership. Ownership. And so a stock and a home are very similar. Or, or a, a stock and real estate, they're both equities. They're both ownership. Real estate, you own a piece of land. Stocks, you own a piece of a company. Um, the difference is with a stock, you pay somebody to manage that, the managers. The stock holders could take all the money for themselves but if they did the company would go the company would lose all of its workers and it would go bankrupt so stocks kind of combine the best of yes there's a lower return to stocks than real estate often has but the you have to invest so heavily in real estate mm -hmm. it's something very different and i think it's probably outside of the a grade of our podcast just because it's much more individualized but as I said, it would be nice if you like could produce cash. I mean, cash flows from a stock or dividends, really. Um, cash flows from real estate would be like if you, I don't know, like rented the property out to people. And Rental they income. Yeah. yeah. Which can be good. But yeah, as I, as I was saying before, I don't think people can be trusted with their money. I think people naturally want to spend as they make more. And if people can like create the mindset of like, well, if I'm making more salary-wise, maybe I should like maintain the same level of spending or maybe even cut back 
and then my net worth can can grow um, much faster. And going off of that, I think automation is honestly one of the best things you can do for investing. So you never have to think about it. Like dollar cost averaging. Yeah, dollar cost averaging. Um, I, I was really thinking about that actually. Like, if you if you buy it on like a certain if you buy a mutual fund on the same day, like every month. Like, what did I didn't I give you this stat one time that like was it fifty two percent of the time, uh, the market will be up. Yeah, you said uh. 52% of the days it was up, I think. Yeah, so, like, if you, if you, I, I mean, rough math, if you were to buy it, like, on the same day every month, and there's a 52% chance that it's, like, going to increase, then I guess, like, over the long run, you'd be hitting it more on, like, days it's going up. I think that the most important thing is to not sell, um... Again, with uh, the S&P 500, just because it, it's the best benchmark. It, it summarizes everything well. The, the Dow Jones, which you, you hear about sometimes, it's not as good of a summary. It's just much older, and that's why it gets talked about. But um, the, S&P, the Dow is 20 companies. The S&P is 500. Uh, with the S&P... If you were invested in it over the past 20 years, you would have more than tripled your money in 20 years. Phenomenal return. If you missed just the top 10 trading days because you got scared, you know, like the beginning of the pandemic, you you sell your stocks because everything's crashing. Mm -hmm. 2008, you get scared. Everything's crashing. You sell. If you just happen to be unlucky and miss the 10 top trading days, you'd only be up 20%. You missed the top 20 trading days in the past 20 years, so one, averaging out to one day a year. Granted, these days are typically in a row, these best trading days. Uh, but it, on average, if you just missed one, the single best day each year, you would have lost money. Mm-hmm. You'd be down 30%. So the lesson from that would be be very careful when you sell. Uh, I'm torn if dollar cost averaging or patience is the best option for buying in. I'm sure that there's tons of studies and I bet that there is a good amount of debate over whether people can actually choose the best day. I know that very often I'm shocked at how low certain prices get. You know, it, I never thought that would be that low again. I never thought Amazon would dip below 3000. I never thought Tesla would go below 600 again. I never thought, you know. So you, there are definitely lows. I'm not sure if which is best, extreme patience in buying or buying in every month. I mean the the problem with extreme patience is what happens if it keeps going up? I think I I mean I know there's like it, it's financially smart to dollar co- cost average to maximize returns. However, I think for me and and like for most people, it's a convenience thing. Of like, do I really want to be sitting here and snapping a picture of of my of my check or a check and uploading it to Fidelity and then depositing those funds into my account? I could. Well, 
I could also do a bank transfer, like, manually, but, like, I would certainly agree the cash should be going into your brokerage account at a regular rate. Yeah. How often you purchase the stocks, that can be automated. Um, but then the question is, and there's debate about it. I mean, ultimately, I think it's one of those things that comes down to personal choice and what you personally believe you would be better at. Probably the vast majority of people are better at dollar cost averaging, just buying the same thing on the same day every month. Uh, That's what I have right now. I, with three mutual funds, I have money going to each one. But then there's also, there are people, I believe, who an extreme level of patience can benefit you, but I don't believe selling ever can benefit you. I mean, I mean, obviously it can, and there will be outlier people who got very lucky with their selling. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't believe it's a reliable strategy. So let me ask you this, because <laughs> I've thought about this before. Do you think you'd, I mean, you've sold some, and I've sold like, I think two stocks just because I was like, okay, I don't really want to own these anymore. I've sold much more than you. Okay. <laughs> but like, do you think that one day during retirement, you're actually going to be like selling your stocks. I've thought about this. I was like, I don't see a reason to sell. And the other opportunity, uh, other option is like, keep my account running and just hand it down to someone else. Well, I mean, so we're, we're far off from there at this point. I'm talking like you're but... 95 years old, assuming you live that long. Like, are you actually going to take money out? The stocks I currently own, I get, you know, it, basically pennies worth of dividends. Uh, maybe a few dollars a year. Yeah. I'm all in on growth. Like, you know, Tesla doesn't pay a dividend. I think most of my dividends come from Apple. Uh, and Apple has a trash dividend of, like, uh, I think it's less than 2% per year. Maybe 1.9%. So, seeing as I don't have any dividend stocks right now, and I don't know when I'll transition into more dividend stocks, eventually I will likely have to sell some portion of my growth stocks. But growth stocks, you know, they grow faster than dividends. So, my, my net worth is increasing, even though it's not generating income. But I don't, depending on whether I have growth stocks when I retire or dividend stocks, I, that'll really be the difference. Maybe. But by then, financial conditions could also change a ton. Like, imagine being, being in your 20s in the 70s. Does that put you at 60? And when are you, if you're in 70 plus 40, it would be the teens. So, like, now we would be like in our late 60s if we were in our 20s in the 70s. If we were in our 20s in the 70s, you know, interest rates are in the teens. It's a completely different market. Who knows what the market will be like 40, 50 years from now. I don't know if I'll be in growth, all crypto, all, probably not all crypto. I bet it'll be established. By all then. bonds. I want all treasury bills. The yeah, return's going to be insane. It it could be a very different market. I'd imagine most of what 
anybody our age owns would be sold by retirement. Um, Tim, you have so you have this note on on credit cards, on credit score. Yeah, so we we uh that's we important. Talked, that's important. We talked about credit a bit on and off. I, I think our next episode will be really deep in on credit. Um, and we also talked about the importance of saving money. Uh, so you don't always need like the most expensive thing. Granted, we didn't get a ton into that. Uh, there are studies, and I believe that they've mostly been done by the credit rating bureaus. Uh, so perhaps a grain of salt, but I think that this is a believable number. An 800 credit score, so near, so a perfect credit score. Perfect would technically be 850, but 800 and 850 get identical loans. Um, a person with an 800 credit score saves on average $100,000 each decade just due to cheaper debt because of those lower interest rates uh, when you consider a mortgage, a car loan. Mm-hmm. So getting that credit score up in your 20s before your 30s when it's important because now you have a mortgage and a car loan and potentially some personal loans, you can save up to 100000 And there are people who take this, like if they have a business, you know, perhaps they're saving a million, two million dollars a year. And there are people who have an 800 score, I'm sure, who don't actually save that much because they don't have that much debt. Um but an 800 credit score is estimated to be worth $100,000 a decade. Can I give, um, let me give you an example of, of that. When I was purchasing my car and, and signing up for the financing with Honda, uh, the, the, not the salesman, the finance guy who I, who I spoke to basically said that I have a decent credit score, but not a long history. Uh, so I think the normal rate they'll give people like me is like four and a half percent on loans. I think that's pretty standard unless mm-hmm. they're running some deal and they're doing like that 1.9% APR or something. But he said, if you have a bad credit score, a bad credit history, he has charged people like 20% on their, on their loans, which is like, if you're paying like a twenty $20,000, paying for a $20,000 car, like that's a ton of, I mean, it. that's. That's practically like predatory because you end up paying. I'm sure that's more than double the cost of the car. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, I worked mine out. I think I, I've got a similar rate to you, and I'm paying like 1.6 times the value of the car. Yeah, that 20 percent. That must be. It's probably close to three times the value of the car, at least. Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. But, um, yeah, it'd be pretty easy to calculate that, actually. I would, I mean, that's, that's why the important, I mean, we'll get into that on our next podcast, but that's like the importance of having a good credit history. It's like you, it's, it's, if you have a low interest rate, you're getting free money, basically. And the variable that's so important about your twenties is the age of your credit that, you can't, I mean, we'll probably talk about it on our next episode. You could get an authorized user, like you could be an authorized user for your parents' credit card and get all of their credit history. Um, but that's not an option that's right for everyone. The, 
the most the way that puts you in the most control really is get into the credit game as early as possible you recommend 18 years old uh on my 18th birthday i went to chase bank and signed up i'm a weirdo though congratulations uh i did not do that i got mine at 20 21 i think yeah i think so because we talked about it beforehand so i'm a late bloomer i i wouldn't even go that far i know tons of people though that that still don't have them graduated and don't have credit cards um and when we say credit cards we mean credit cards not debit cards there's a big difference sometimes people do use those terms interchangeably um i think credit cards are so much better than debit cards. i don't see any benefit ever to using a debit card over a credit card it's just debt aversion which yeah it's debt aversion would... yeah it's basically like i don't want to pay this in the future and like rack up my bill i would argue that's irrational unless you really are someone who can't be trusted with debt and and if you it's better that you know that about yourself you're also if if you truly can't be trusted with debt and you know that and don't get it's a credit better card. that you know that and you act on that so i don't know if you ever thought about this but like with a credit card and the fact that you have to pay it next month although that's like a very small amount of time you benefit from inflation you benefit from inflation you're actually paying less for your debt yeah uh i think that's why so one of my recent bigger purchases my computer i actually i took a zero percent 18 month loan i was like you know what this is big it is zero percent it's 18 months yeah so you're not really like you're just paying it over time and you're actually saving money and I yeah. guess for people who don't understand that concept, I can extrapolate that and like exaggerate it. So imagine like normally inflation, normal times is like 2% every year or like the average cost of living goes up by 2%. So imagine that you bought something today for, I don't know, a hundred bucks. And let's say you don't have to pay that off until 50 years from now. Like, imagine, like, how many dollars it would cost in the future for that same exact item. Assuming it, like, holds its value. Um, So, yeah, maybe in the future it costs $100,000 for that same exact item, and you paid $100 for it. Yeah, like, if you've ever seen somebody bought a house in 1930 for $400. Yeah, same thing. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I I guess I want to end this episode off with like, I'd say when it comes to budgeting, I think the savings aspect is probably more important and also easier to control than your earnings. I mean, the biggest thing with savings is it, it's what does provide the flexibility. So if you ever don't have enough money for rent or for your mortgage, then you dig into savings. Like, you need that stockpile, but then also I think it's, at least for me, what gives me the motivation to keep saving because I like to see that number go up. Mm-hmm. I like um, I like knowing I have the opportunity to buy stuff, which, as we know, knowing you can buy something and, and actually buying it, like, doesn't it give you the same sort of, like, 
arousal or something same like utility like utility uh i've heard that i don't think that it applies to most things i think it applies to nice cars and and homes <laughs> at least for me you know okay. it, knowing that you know what i could buy iphone box oh i was close <laughs> or or an iphone like yeah anybody could you know that there, there isn't that like right you you like to see the progression of it where it's like i'm i'm in a certain class above others wow you're an awful yeah. person <laughs> my competitive um the other thing, like, I think that there's two different philosophies. I was definitely, I started off as somebody who thought it was harder to spend dollars because they existed, like, physically. And, like, if you didn't have them anymore, like, you didn't have these physical things anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've definitely totally moved into the camp of, well, my bank account just lost a significant figure, you know? It and that's a major motivation to keep on saving. You know, you don't want your that number is always there versus the dollars. It's like, okay, well, I got this many, but I'd have to count it. Two different camps as far as savings, and it, the most important thing is knowing yourself, and the majority of people that includes knowing automation. Yep. I think we're repeating ourselves. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you wanted to outro this or, or what, but like it sounds like you want but like to. ladies I mean, and gentlemen, I... thank you for uh for listening to this episode of Unwrapping Success. If you got value out of this, uh make sure to smash the like button on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. I'd say our next listening to this podcast is worth two hundred thousand dollars every decade. Exactly. If you want to if you want to help support the channel we do have links in the description to our podcasting gear you can go pick some of that up and it's an amazon affiliate link so we do benefit as well as you can sign up for acorns or just send us a direct donation via paypal um, at unwrapping success at gmail.com do i have that right yep okay um and yeah if you're on the audio version you can always uh follow us on whatever platform you're on and uh we do have a anchor donation link if you actually listen to our podcast on anchor. So thank you all for listening. So <laughs> Tim's like, Oh, <laughs> should I say bye? Okay. Bye everyone. <laughs>